amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. And welcome to another episode of Chatty Broads with Becca and Jess. Hello, Broads. What's going on, Broads? How are you doing today? Guess what? Tell me. (laughs) I already know. We have uh, back-to-back episodes with broads. This has been so like exciting for me because we're getting to know all of our broad community. And I will say this specific individual was a broad from day one, I feel like. And in fact, I think maybe the very first... I don't know, like Insta story or artwork done or anything involving our podcast was done by this person. And so I think that's when I ended up meeting her and starting to like, I followed her on social media and we started going back and forth. And then via social media, I found a little bit out about her story. Um, so she's in town and we wanted once to have again, her on. Jess is connecting everything because that's what she does. So oh yeah when we did our human design was i something like i no i mean like you're bringing the broads on like that's what you did last week and you did with the yeah you know i like to chat yes yes anyways um broads welcome fellow broad mariah mcintyre hello thanks for coming on (laughs) thanks for having me oh my gosh we're so excited to have you it's weird like when you meet people who you've been talking to for i call them internet friends and it's like when you meet your internet friends in real life it's like i know a lot about you but like we don't actually know each other yeah Yeah. and i'm glad you said that in the intro because i was actually gonna ask like why you added me because when you sent me a friend request on instagram i was like what did i do to deserve (laughs) this honor it was like our very like i said it was the think it was the very first like connection via the podcast that I was like oh my god someone like posted something for us we have listeners I was so excited and then I looked at your page and I was like so intrigued to want to find out more about you so I hit that follow and also your pictures were incredible thank you the butterfly photo which you posted broads we're gonna tag her and everything and then you'll see but the butterfly post uh, photo that you posted what maybe like six months ago four months ago yeah is one of my favorite thank you photos so ever much. was it my um little meme i made about like uh ruth being born oh that was <laughs> yes wait which one was that i think that was the very was it the very yeah first i made this meme and it was like a news clipping article yeah. and it was like five minute old chick oh yes 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 broadcast yes, yes. opinions <laughs> on things and i was like this is perfect yeah and that was the first like broad artwork that we had it was so cool and i have to say there's something special about like some of our early listeners too because not that we don't love all of you but the no, ogs no but also i was just gonna say like the reality is of when a podcast really gets going and there's so many like 
and we've talked about it before and we really try to take the time, especially just to like go through messages, but it's not always like you're, you're trying to give everyone like, you know, what they're looking for and all that kind of thing. And then, but in the beginning, it's like so much more of a tight knit community and you do have like more of the opportunity to connect Mm -hmm. in more of a one-on-one fashion. That's not always quite as feasible now that we have a larger audience. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's really cool, especially people tuning in in the beginning, just to have that support also really early on is like, there's, there is some really special about it not that we don't treasure like you said every single one of our listeners now well actually your podcast is the first podcast i've ever no listened way. to really I've, i'd never listened to a podcast in my life and i have been a fan of becca ever since ari's season and i've always followed you know along with everything you posted and i was like i guess we'll see what this is about and then listening to your guys episode i was like i have so much in common with you guys and wow. it's crazy before i ever saw a picture of jess like in my head i was picturing you like with long brown hair Which is what and everyone yeah, says everyone yeah. thinks that like i'm gonna have like very long blonde or brown hair and be like very like kind of small and like hello like <laughs> different everyone's voice always, everyone's always like you look like what i'm like yeah i know I know. I was shocked. I was like, oh, we got it like punk. I love it. Thank but. you. <laughs> um, but so, okay. So you started as the following Becca. You're a bachelor. Which, by the way, I'm so flattered. And thank you for tuning into the podcast. Because that was something in the beginning, too, where it's like, damn, like, I thought, like, you know, it's, 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 there's something so special about the podcast because you're airing your heart and your feelings. Mm-hmm. And so it really means a lot to me when people take the time to tune in. So, oh, yeah. And you guys sure. have like the best personalities. You click so well together. Oh. And whenever people talk, talk about you know oh listening to podcasts is like talking to your best friends like it always has felt that way for me like I would in my car be like oh yeah like I have had that experience too or you know I I was homeschooled as well or you know Mm -hmm. I I was told Santa Claus wasn't real growing up and I was (laughs) like these are bonding did you spoil it for other kids Yes. Yeah, me too. One time. We got that in common for sure. <laughs> yeah, I got in uh-huh. big trouble because I was supposed to tell one of my good friends that we each got the same doll from Santa Claus, but really they were from her mom. Oh. Yeah, and I accidentally said, no, your mom got me this. <laughs> <laughs> my mom was so mad. You're like, false. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Listen, when you feel like you know the truth, though, sometimes it's hard the not to. The truth shall set ye free. <laughs> yeah. In the words sometimes of, you just gotta share it. In the words of Richard Rohr, I believe sometimes you know when you figure out the truth, it really hurts. Okay, so sometimes you know finding out Santa Claus is not real, it can be painful. Oh, but and you gotta share it sometimes. Yeah, and when your friends like finally come to you and you're like, they're like, yeah, he's he's not real. I found out, and I'm like, you're just there for them. Like, <laughs> you know. I got you. Like, I've yeah. worked through this already. It's fine. Years ago, um, but have you been a Bachelor fan for a long time? literally since I probably am maybe the youngest bachelor fan ever. I remember being six years old sitting on the stairs. I wasn't allowed to watch it because my mom's like, you can't see how this guy make out with all uh-huh. these girls. Yeah, sure. I would sneak at the top of the stairs and watch. I remember, you know, like the very first Ben, I think he has like yeah. a wine or like a, a wine. He's like friends with the Kardashians. Very old. Oh, are you talking about Andrew Firestone? No. Not the wine. Oh. oh, I can't remember his name, but. Oh, I know who you're talking about. I don't remember his name. I yes. know exactly. Yeah. The but wine. that was the first season I ever watched. And then the that one was I was re- a long time ago. Yeah, I know. <laughs> she's, she's like, OG bachelor. I, I know. And my favorite like bachelor ever was Sean Lowe. Like that was the, 
I didn't actually watch that one, which actually would be a really good one to go over again. I feel that like is a good one. I thought he was a really now I'd be interested to watch it now because oh, like yeah. my opinions about things have changed. But I remember at the time really loving him as a bachelor. Yeah, he did a really and great. you know how usually you like you have your favorite, like obviously not this season because nobody's that great. Yeah, but- <laughs> who's your favorite this season? I don't have one. I know. Everybody just, like you said, it's like Hannah Ann and stuff. And I'm like, it's sort of like, who's the least unlikable. Yeah. (laughs) It's not even like, who's the most likable. No, it's, and you know, something I like about you guys is like, you guys don't go with, you know, what the producers kind of want you to think the narrative they put growing up, you know, it's like this person is bad because that's how they oh, betray totally. them. Right, you guys right. have totally opened my eyes to that. Cause that's how me and my mom were. we'd be like, Oh yeah, they suck. And then you guys would be like, actually, I don't think so. Well, when you've got two hours to sit and analyze after every episode, you start to to unravel the pieces and find the truth amidst it. I don't think I was watching it like that either until after I came off of my season. I mean, until you have someone who will sit and break it down with you. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, analyze it. Yeah. Yeah. I've brought like the wisdom you guys give to my mom. I'll be like, actually, this person is actually really good because of, you know. Like, mom, you got to think about it. Yeah. Put yourself in her shoes. Critical thinking people don't Don't be a sheep yeah don't believe what they want you to believe (laughs) we had a someone comment somewhere on some platform recently they're like you two just follow whatever the the batch or whatever the producers are feeding you and i was like that's the first and honestly (laughs) i celebrate that comment because we always get told we're two devil's advocating Uh so sure i'll take it we'll take it so we have to pause for a second um the other day i went to renew the passport my passport i'm finally gonna put the correct last name on it um such a pain and i swear to god i went on the same day as the rest of the entire county of los angeles uh (laughs) which meant crazy wait times thankfully i was fully entertained and the time flew by because i had best fiends downloaded on my phone and i am obsessed oh my gosh yes i downloaded this um a while back actually because i heard about it on another podcast yeah this game is such a fun way to pass time while also engaging your brain even better it's so casual you can spend as much or as little time as you'd like in the game plus you don't need the internet to play so you can enjoy anytime anywhere yes in that pocket of la where there is absolutely uh no service think of all the places you could play without internet too this could be your this could be your camping yeah i guess be present in nature but also play best fiends extravaganza (laughs) it'd be your desert island savior if that ever happened God forbid. Um, but exactly. It's so true. Although once I got started, it was hard to put down. I have so much fun playing this. Um, I left with my passport, by the way, and I had beaten, I don't know how many levels, a lot. Because even as someone who doesn't consider themselves to be a gamer at all, I'm able to play this game well, which I love. And honestly, the killer graphics and super cute characters keep me coming back. I can't resist some super cute characters. Thankfully, Best Fiends updates the game monthly with new levels and events, so it never gets old because at this rate, I'm basically on my way to being a Best Fiends master. Okay, gamer queen. You know it. (laughs) Engage your brain with fun puzzles and collect tons of cute characters. And trust me, with over over 100 million downloads, this five-star rated mobile puzzle game is a must-play. Download Best Fiends for free on the Apple App Store or Google Play. That's friends without the R. Best Fiends. 
100 million downloads at five-star ratings. That's what I'm aiming for with this podcast. All right. Dang, Best Fiends. <laughs> um, okay, so you may or may not know this. I've talked about it a bunch, but I have the world's largest dog. Not literally, but pretty much. He is a 200-pound English Mastiff named Boris, Sergeant Boris to be exact. And it's sort of like having a horse around the house. Of course, we love him. He's our fur baby. And that means he deserves the best high-tech collar available, Fi. It's kind of like a Fitbit or an Apple Watch for your four-legged friend. It's so cool. You can track your dog's location and you'll be notified when they leave a safe zone, which you've set. Yes. So you uh, know exactly when they're leaving the property if that happens. It's like an invisible fence. It's an invisible fence for your babies. So uh, like I said, Boris is 200 pounds. He's a big boy and he enjoys his food. But when you have a big dog, sometimes they don't like to be super active, but they still need to eat a bunch. And that can really mess with their hips when they age. Um, They have to stay moving so those sweet hips don't give out. I know this is really sad and dark, but when a Big, with a lot of big dogs, one of the most common reasons that they end up passing away is that their hips are carrying too much weight. Oh so you God. have to stay uh, really on top of them being active, which is why I love the Fi collar so much. Mm. It has an activity tracker on it, and you can track how much, how long, and where your dog is walking to make sure they're getting enough exercise, whether that's the dog walker or running around the backyard. And if I'm gone all day, I can see if Boris got all his steps in or if when I get home, I need to walk with him more. And it compares your dog breed with other healthy dogs that are the same breed to show exactly what your dog needs at its age and size and breed and the whole setup takes less than two minutes it's so easy if you have a dog this is a must have Mm -hmm. and a lot of people mistakenly think that microchipping is enough but in reality it only works if your dog's brought into a shelter and the chip is scanned and of course we want to avoid that mess Um, with Fi you never have to worry about being separated from your pup just head over to tryfi.com and that's spelled T-R-Y fi.com and use code chatty for $50 off your order today. Okay. So here is the deal. When I first started following you, I was right away intrigued. Number one, you had just like a joyful, like, you know, when you look at people's photos and you're like, yes. Okay. I know what you're talking about. Cause uh sometimes I'll look at a friend and I'll tell my mom or someone like they're doing really well. Like yes. a friend from high school and they're like, oh, did you talk to them? And I'm like, no, I saw their Instagram, but I can tell that they're actually like doing yeah, and well. There's, and yeah. And there's a difference between like that fake Instagram, like I'm, I'm good, happy versus like there's I'm joyful joy. and like light. And so I look, clicked on yours and I was like, there's just like joy, like illuminating off of this girl. And then I saw that you had been struggling through cancer and I was like, oh my God, she's so young. And I mean, I would love if you'd be willing to like share your story with us. Oh yeah, okay. totally. Um, and maybe just start with like background bio on who you are and please. where you're from and all that kind of thing. Okay. Please. Yeah, my name's Mariah McIntyre. I'm 21 as of January, so Capricorn over here. Hello. <laughs> happy late birthday. <laughs> Thank you. Yours is coming up tomorrow, I know. so yeah. I know. happy early birthday. Thank you. Um, but I'm from Ohio, so the Cleveland bachelor date totally (laughs) resonated. Yeah. I was like, wow. (laughs) Is it accurate? Is Cleveland that cool? (laughs) No, 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 no. But we we had some people from Cleveland send in messages and they're like, it's not that great. (laughs) They painted it up so nice though. I was like, gotta go. I gotta go. Yeah. It was, it was really, they did a good job. Um, but yeah, so I, um, am a two time cancer survivor at 21, which is like, 
wow, never thought I would be saying that. Um, yeah. First time was when I was 14. and wow. then I, 14. Oh my yes. God. Okay. Um, and then the second time most recently, I was 19 when I found out and then 20 when I underwent treatment. Um, and it's been anaplastic large cell lymphoma. That's the type I've had. So it all kind of started. Um, I had like a lump in my armpit. And my mom was like, maybe it's your deodorant. Like, we'll go to a dermatologist. Let's change your deodorant Mm up. Um, And it wasn't going away. So I started to get, like, night sweats and fevers. And so we were like, okay, this isn't normal. So um, we went to my family doctor, and all the tests were coming back negative, which is never a good thing. And I remember him saying, like, oh, you're going to make me a famous doctor. Like, we can't figure out what's wrong with you. Mm. Um, So then we got referred to a bigger hospital, and we saw an infectious disease doctor. So was anyone thinking anything in the realm of cancer at this point at all? I was, actually. You were. I remember, like, all my family sitting together while we were trying to figure out what was going on, and I was like maybe it's cancer. And everyone was like, no, 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 don't say Can't that. Go there. Yeah. So were you feeling like, like off at all? Or was it just the lump? So at first it was just the lump. Okay. Um, and then one time when I was babysitting, I had like another lump here and I didn't realize it till like my shoulder blade kind of went up over it and was like squishing it. And I was like, Oh dang, there's another one. Like, what is this? So, and cancer does not run in my family at all. Mm-hmm. I have one wow, great okay. aunt who's had breast cancer. So total, like no one was, you know, ever thinking that's what it would be. So um, the first time that the idea of cancer was thrown out was when we saw the infectious disease doctor. And I remember he said, can we be real in front of her to my mom? Like, can we be real? And I, I was mad. It's like, duh, it's my body. Oh, like, yeah. um, but he was like, yeah, I think this could be some form of cancer. So we need to get this figured out. Um, and then it, everything from there was like, boom, 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 boom. Like we, that same day we saw like three other doctors and the next day I was getting like a biopsy to see wow. what was wrong. Yeah, it was crazy. But here's, it was like, as soon as they found out, they're like, we have to oh, yeah. expedite this. Okay. But that's the crazy thing was at 14, um, my mindset was not what you would have thought it would have been for someone who was, I was like excited, <laughs> which is like, no one would ever. You know what's so weird is I can sort of understand what you're talking about yeah whatever (laughs) okay explain it to me because i'm not tracking the mind of a 14 year old you're thinking all this attention Mm. you know you're thinking no school (laughs) yeah because i was homeschooled um and you just it's like I was like, oh, I'm going to get to be in the hospital, hospital food, which like now I'm like, oh my God, I hate hospital food. (laughs) But it's like drama too, right? There's like the drama of it. Oh yeah. I remember I'd get excited just to even get glasses and I'd always sort of think like if I got cancer, well, that would be tragic, but like dramatically (laughs) tragic. And I I completely understand what you're talking about. Oh yeah. Like I, in my head, like I would have never admitted that to anybody at the time, but as I've grown older, I've been super honest about that because I was not like afraid at all I was like oh dang like this is gonna be kind of exciting yeah okay I didn't even think like oh I'm gonna die or anything I was just like oh this is gonna be a roller coaster Mm. I'm a cancer patient (laughs) now (laughs) I'm upgraded right that's the only exciting thing that happens in the midwest right I think that's cool that you can like recognize that and talk about that oh my god that's so just like being able to like see that about yourself is just incredible and I I I totally can resonate with that I understand yeah Yeah, but and that's the thing though. When I talk about now, 
day and night. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's like when you know what's going to happen. And also you're like an adult and you have your freedom. You're like, oh, yeah. no, like hell no. Like, yeah. I don't and do you this. probably understand the actual danger that your body was in as well. Like, oh, yeah. Because the mortality of it. Yeah. I, I mean, I want to be a mom so badly. Mm-hmm. If I if I hadn't have gotten sick, I would literally be a mother. Right now. <laughs> like yeah. That. So I was so afraid of like losing. And even now, you know, I haven't had a chance to even try to become a mom yet or anything. So but I was super scared about losing my fertility. Like that was. Did you, know, you feel you felt that way as a as a young person at 14? No, or at, no. At 14, I remember them telling me like you know the medicine you're on could you know cause you to be infertile and I didn't understand it right as a 14 year old Mm -hmm. I feel like most wouldn't yeah and I knew I wanted to be a mom one day but I was like oh maybe when I'm like 35 Mm-hmm. Like, you know, so it didn't like it's resonate removed. with me. Yeah, exactly. So um, I, I was treated for, I think, six months the first time and it went by so smoothly. I never threw up like it was a, a smooth roller coaster. I think the only time I ever cried was when I lost my hair because mm-hmm. it's the weirdest feeling in the world. Um, I remember I was in the shower and like you run your fingers through and you know, like when grass, like maybe damp grass, like where the soil's wet, how you can just pull it right out. That's you were able to just, yeah. Which I, this, this time around being sick, I posted on my stories, me pulling my hair out. Cause I was like, I want everyone to see what this is like. And it's crazy. It just, when you posted that, by the way, I want to thank you because <laughs> no, for real, because I, I've never, I've had, um, my grandfather had cancer, but he was, you know, he was in his late eighties and so they weren't treating him, um, uh, with radiation or anything or he wasn't going through chemo. Um, so I've never really seen that like in real time and to be able to like see that. And I was showing my husband, I was like, you have to look like just the gravity and the vulnerability to do that was like, I mean, I can't imagine how many people that was like beneficial to my goodness. Thank Sorry, you. I just needed to, no, like that, that, that you. was like, so that was very eye opening to see that process. Cause I hadn't ever seen that before. Oh yeah. The first time around when I was sick, I, I wasn't closed off, but I just didn't really share that much. Like I just wasn't. And this time around, I was like, I just want to share everything, mm-hmm. like every little piece of what's happening mm-hmm. to me <laughs> because just going through it the second time was, it didn't, it felt like a whole different ball game because it was like no one around me understood everyone my age that I would try to talk to. They couldn't like, they acted like they didn't really want to talk about it. And I think mm-hmm. it made, it makes people uncomfortable sure. a little bit at such a young age, you're kind of opened up to like your humanity, like realizing, Oh, like I'm fragile. I could, you know, life could be gone at any moment. Um, and then just while everyone else is traveling and going to school and college and all this, you're just sitting here like, yeah, I'm getting chemo and I can't do anything and I might not get to have kids anymore. And just, you know, coming to terms with all of these changes that are going to be happening to you. It's, yeah, it was completely different Mm. growing. So second time around, um, uh, me and my, I got married in between. (laughs) I I have questions too, because like, um, so the first time around, like you were saying, like the, I believe you said the first six months, everything went really smooth. I'm wondering what that experience was like though with your family. And like, was that maybe the more difficult part was coping with like this change, like with your parents? I mean, cause I can't imagine what your experience I'm sure was night and day, to their experience where they're like my 14 year old daughter has fucking cancer Mm -hmm. oh yeah Mm -hmm. no whenever we found out 
I was comforting my mom. Mm -hmm. Like she wasn't comforting me. She had gotten a call whenever she was in the car and she started bawling and she came home and that was a really stressful day. I was having fevers all day because the cancer was progressing and I was stage three, by the way, the first time. You were stage three the first time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. So my mom came home and she just like was, her face is all red. She had like tears streaming on her face and she was like, it's cancer. And I remember like holding her and telling her it's going to be okay, mom, because in my head, like I said, I wasn't scared at all. I, mm-hmm. I didn't understand what was going to happen. Um, but and as a parent, oh, my oh God. yeah, no, totally. I can't, I know for her, it was probably a lot harder than it was for me because the treatments, I mean, the first time around weren't even like that bad. I would be like under the weather for a week after I got out of the hospital because we did one week in the hospital, two weeks at home. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and then the next week after that, like my second week at home, I would be going to like amusement parks and doing like every, like I, I didn't want to slow down. I didn't want to act like anything was happening to me so it was for me I I was just like whoa like everybody's you know wanting to know how I am I'm getting like gifts and stuff yeah (laughs) just totally like whoa this is you know I'm getting to meet people I never would have before and I'm a super social person so you know getting to go on like radio shows and stuff like that like it was so exciting to me Mm. um the only thing I was really like mourning was the loss of my hair because that was one thing I really liked about myself So it's such a 14 year old experience, you know, like Mm -hmm. that's so what you're talking about. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's like eighth grade, ninth grade. And it's so like is how what where you're at at the time. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Between like being a kid and adult and you still can't fully grasp things, but you can at the same time. And it's just such a weird in between phase. And to be going through cancer at that same time, I just. Oh, yeah. No, definitely. I totally didn't understand what was happening to me. I was sort of just like, whoa, this is cool. Like, you know, all this attention. So and I guess you're taking for granted, like, I'm just going to get better. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that's honestly, I felt like I recovered very well from the first time. I had some digestion problems where just like, like this is TMI, but I get like backed up really easily, mm-hmm. which has only been amplified since going through it again. Mm-hmm. But even that, like. I mean, didn't bother me. I was like, okay, like, this is cool. Like, it, I, I almost felt like a little bit untouchable, you know? Sure. How long was, was the full treatment and they said you were cancer free after how long? So the six months. Um, wow. Yeah. No, so it that was is really quick. quick. Yeah. No, that's why this, the second time around I had to get treatment for a year and I was like, what? I was mm-hmm. like, what are you talking about a year? Like I, I couldn't even fathom like if, cause then it feels like you're stuck in that cancer treating mindset for a year, uh-huh. mm-hmm. you know, like every time you go to the hospital, you're reminded, Oh, I'm here to treat cancer. Yeah. So it was totally different story, but yeah, six months and then I was good. Everything was and then fine. You were clear. And then was it like, like life went back to normal? Um, yeah, basically like everything. I mean, I remember, <laughs> I remember when I knew things were back to normal is when I got grounded again for the first time. Uh-huh. I was like, okay, yeah. M- You're mom, like, my parents don't, run feel, its course. They don't feel bad for me anymore. So they're going to go back to, oh my God. Okay. Yeah. I remember in my diary when I found out I was sick, like I was in the middle of like being grounded for something. I got grounded all the time growing up. And like, I remember writing my diary. So we found out I had cancer, so I'm not grounded anymore. No. So <laughs> like this is- Great. So that's sick. Uh, <laughs> that's oh my so god! Funny. So then, when you wait, found- do you have? Sorry, do you have siblings? I have three younger siblings. I'm the oldest of four. 
How, what's the age gap like? My brother is um, 18 and I'm 21. Yeah. And then my little sister okay, so is 11 and my little brother's nine. Oh, ba- so they were very young when you. Oh, were, yeah. My mom. First diagnosed. It was hard for her to be able to come visit because a lot of times they don't let kids come into the room. Oh, geez. yeah. And she, she had what, like a two year old and three year old at the yeah, time? Yeah, they were very little. Like she has pictures of my little brother in a little hospital mask. Mm. And <laughs> so they would like come and have to go sit in like the toy room or something while my mom like came and, you know, hung out with me for a little bit. She would have to find people to come, like, you know, she would literally asking me asking people like can you come you know sit with mariah while she gets chemo wow yeah so yeah as a parent i'm like oh my gosh it's so stressful um so then when you were cleared Mm -hmm. you're saying life went back to normal and then how many years so that's why it's so crazy that i even got sick again because they say you're in the clear usually six years out and that's exactly when we found out i was sick again again wow yeah that's usually when they say you don't even have to come in for checkups anymore like you're good like don't worry about it so yeah that's got to be super jarring oh my gosh so what what happened walk us through what happened when you found out that you had relapsed so it was six years later i was married and living in alaska what what age let's go through that too what when did you get married and i was so I moved to Alaska when I was 18 <laughs> and with my boyfriend, who's now my husband. And I met him on Tinder, by the way. <laughs> did you? <laughs> um, but and then, yeah, he I think it was like four months into our relationship. He's like, in six months, I'm going to Alaska. And I was having some issues with my family, just like us not getting along, which are totally better now that I'm out of the house. But um, so whenever he said, you know, do you want to come with me? I was like, yeah. Like, yeah, I want to come with you. (laughs) So so, um, I moved out with him, like, I think three or four months before we went to Alaska. And then um, we drove, like, through Canada. Like, we drove from Iowa all the way to Alaska. Like, we did the drive through Canada and everything. That's pretty cool. Oh, yeah. It was exciting. Like, I was like, yeah, get me out of here. Like, let's go. (laughs) This is the right call. Yeah. Um, So it was kind of... I'm, so the the first time I felt another bump was kind of early on into living in Alaska. It was around like February and we moved there in October. So um, now would you check often or was it just something like you had been cleared and you weren't thinking about it? Like, or was it something that was prevalent in your mind fairly frequently? So I, I honestly never even like pondered the possibility of getting cancer again. Like I never thought that would happen to me. Um, so when I had it, the bump was in this shoulder blade and, um, I was kind of nervous. I didn't have health insurance cause me and my husband weren't married yet. And so, um, we like, I forget what we did. I was able to like pay, you know, we had to pay out of pocket to like get some testing done. Yeah. It was just a blood test though. Okay. So that it, it didn't, and nothing showed up. And so we we're like, okay, we're good. Um, then a few months later, like the bump started getting bigger, like, and um sorry i'm like trying to recall this but yeah a few months later we noticed the bump was getting bigger and i was kind of nervous so i went to a children's doctor in alaska and me and my husband were married at this point so we had insurance and i had to get referred from the military base and um the people i talked to totally dismissed me they told me you can't come in here every time you have a swollen node Like, you know, they told me it was cat scratch fever, which was because we had a kitten 
Uh, and so they totally dismissed me. They were like, like no. I had cancer in my lymph yeah, nodes. Yeah, I was be like, so excuse me. So when they're me. swollen, that's a red flag. I'd be for like, me. I think I have a pass at this point to come in whenever I would like <laughs> oh, to. Yeah, no. Whenever, um, whenever I found out, I called the hospital. I was in Ohio and I called the Alaska hospital and I said, I just wanted to let you guys know that it is cancer and that you guys need to take your patients more seriously. Bro. It was, I like, I cried on the phone to them because I was like, I can't believe you. Yeah, it was crazy. But um, yeah, so they told me, you know, you, you can't be coming in here. And um, I was going to go home and we were going to have our like wedding with our family because we had a courthouse wedding initially. And that was planned for October. So um, I went down in September and my mom just like didn't have peace of mind about it. So she was like, let's just get you in to see your old doctor, just a second opinion. And so it was like the week before my wedding and he put, was putting on me, he was putting me on antibiotics to see if it would go away. And um, nothing was happening. It was only getting bigger. It was like this huge mass. At this point, it's not like, let's do a biopsy on that. Like, wouldn't that be the first Well, my blood work was coming back like beautiful. So that would be a red flag. That would be the red flag. Is- yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's yeah. when like, is it like the white, the white count is high or I whatever? think there, yeah, there's something about your counts that will be off mm-hmm. and everything. Like I didn't even feel sick. Like I felt you like, felt fine. Oh yeah. I felt totally fine. Like I didn't even think it was cancer. I was like, Oh my gosh, I'm going to feel so bad for wasting all these people's time. You know, like after the wedding, I'm going to go back to Alaska and you know, everyone's going to be annoyed that I wasted everybody's time. <laughs> so um yeah we we had our wedding and then we went on our honeymoon and since it wasn't responding the doctor was like yeah let's set up a biopsy so my husband went back to alaska and i stayed home so we could get the biopsy done and um this kind of happened the first time around too they tell you they'll know in like two to three days and then it ends up being like two to three weeks <laughs> mm. and you're just sitting there waiting 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 and um so i went in um to have a appointment with the surgeon who did the biopsy on my lymph node uh, and it was just like a checkup and we still didn't know yet and uh, my grandma was with me and my oncologist came into the room and I was in like the surgery department so instantly we're kind of like something's off here and um, I could tell he wasn't like acting normal and um, he was kind of like, yeah, we're we're ninety nine percent sure that it's cancer. They didn't know what type yet, like if it was the same thing. Um, and I was like so shocked that I just kind of started laughing because I didn't know how to process it. Mm. I was like, I'm sorry, this isn't funny, but I just I had I I I remember um, like everyone had been telling me kind of like you know I I, I was having this full trust that like nothing was wrong. It wasn't even crossing my mind that anything would be wrong. So I was like, so confused. I was like, what? Like this can't, this can't be it. Like they've got to have this wrong. Um, and me and my grandma, like once he left the room, just like broke down, like totally like sobbed. Mm. (laughs) And that almost was like kind of the catalyst for like, you know, how the rest of my journey was going to go because, the first time I was always like this happy, naive girl who like, you know, so happy. Everyone's like, you always have a smile on your face. You always seem so happy. And, um, this time around it was like the opposite. Like I just felt so sad. Yeah. Were you, so ang- sad. were you angry? 
Yeah, yeah, I was. You get you're angry at your body mm. for, and that's I've really related to your episode. <laughs> that just made me think of that episode. Yeah, everything she was talking about with the grief, even though it was totally different type of trauma, I was like, oh my gosh, that was me. Like I was so mad at my body for doing this to me, and I'm like, you, you know, you always grow up like hearing about people who have cancer. You never gonna think that's gonna be you ever. Yes. So it just. I did. I was yeah. I I couldn't even like comprehend it. Um, but after that, um, we kind of had to set up a treatment plan. And, and I'm guessing at this time, like the the you're more in touch with your mortality, and you're just like fuck. This is re-. like how did that how did that feeling compare? Like in terms of I was so resistant to i i was considering like homeopathic uh-huh. options and it was uh, the huge part of that was wanting to be a mom and not wanting my fertility be, to be taken from me yeah. so i know a lot of people say you know that's crazy that's dumb like you know it, it's like you know playing with your you know with your health like if you try to do but i was literally i did not want to do it's treatment. also your body and that's yeah, also 100 percent your choice oh yeah no and i know people who have treated themselves naturally and that it's been successful for but i also know people who it's failed for too so yeah. you know you never know how it can go but i was you know thinking i went like raw vegan mm-hmm. for like the months following up to my treatment wow. and it's crazy my lump in my neck did start to shrink. The doctors, of course, you know, a lot of doctors aren't really into homeopathic stuff. So they have, when I try to tell them, oh, I'm like, I've been eating clean vegan, no sugar, you know, like totally everything cooked at my house. And, um, they're like, eh, but they, they <laughs> they're like, we don't want to reinforce this belief <laughs> yes. that she has, <laughs> but they were like measuring it and they were like, why is it smaller? Why is it smaller? But yeah, that's how I was like, I don't want to do this. Um, and it, I really, I had that mentality up until like I went into treatment because they have to hit you twice as hard the second time around. Oof. So your body is going to go through and way more. And that's just when you have cancer in general, the second round, they have to. Yeah. Cause that okay. means that, you know, it's resistant. Like since it came back, Got it. you know, so, um, yeah, they, they was were like, it, I'm sorry. Did you say, was it the same type of cancer? Yeah. Okay. So it was the exact same type. That's why it kind of didn't make any sense. It, even the, the type I've had is not common for people my age or, you know, younger people. They even didn't have that much research, you know, about treating it. So it was almost kind of like, well, from what we have, we're going to try this. And that made me even more upset. Sure. Um, so yeah, I'd been trying, I'd been, you know, kind of doing the, the vegan stuff leading up to try to like make my decision. Um, and then we had my eggs taken out and even that in itself, like talking to people about, you know, like, oh, well, we, you know, you could have someone else's, you know, egg with your husband's sperm and that hearing that 20 is just like, that's so totally messes up your head. I remember just like totally shutting down when I was having those conversations with people because I was like, how is this my life? How am I, Mm -hmm. you know, talking to people about having my eggs taken out and, you know, oh, if your fertility. And that was the thing, too, is when we were having my eggs taken out, they were like, oh, your eggs look so good. And then even more, I was like, oh, my gosh, like my fertility is so good from the first time I had treatment. Like, I don't want to do this again. Mm -hmm. Um, But in the end. 
I never felt like I had a clear like, oh, yes, like I want to do this, like even going into treatment, because what they wanted me to do the second time around was a year of this newer drug called brintuximab. Um, And just with like two treatments of that, it totally made my bumps go away. Um, Wow. Yeah. And I was technically cancer free before I even went in for my big month long treatment where they like pound you with chemo and you have to go into isolation and um, so that was the plan, a year of the brintuximab, and then I had to have a stem cell transplant. Um, and I t- they took out my own stem cells, which is way better for healing. If you have someone else's, your body can reject it. It's called uh, graft-versus-host. Oh. So I got really lucky because it's usually kids or you know people who are like the cancer's too far gone for them to take their own stem cells that have mm. to have someone else's. So I got really lucky with that. Um, but when I went into that treatment, I was totally resistant. Um, they had like people who want to come see you every day and like, you know, have do workouts with you and like, um, you know, help you do little things, make sure that you're not, uh, losing your strength and everything. People who come play board games with you. And I didn't want to see like anyone. And I was like manifesting early symptoms from the chemo because I was so resistant to the process. I had to come to a point where, I said, okay, this is already happening to me. I can't, like, you know, stop this. Like, mm-hmm. I was already in the middle of my treatment. So I had to uh, just accept what was happening to me. Because I had a lady who would come and give me massages, and, like, it would almost make my body hurt worse because mm. I was just resistant to any kind of, like, help. Because I was like, I don't want to be here. I don't want to do this. Mm. They had a therapist I uh, could talk to and... um she was like really glad whenever I made my breakthrough and kind of like woke up one day and I was like, I'm just going to let everything happen. I'm going to stop resisting the process because she was like, you were really kind of going into a dark place and I was getting really worried about you. Was it resistance related to the experience of relapsing with the cancer itself or more the experience of like, now I have to be here like in this kind of, do you know what I'm I'm not sure if that makes sense. No, it does. The environment was very controlled. mm. Um, You know, you have to, once your counts drop, you have to stay in your room. You can't get baths. You have to wipe down with wipes every day because you can't use any normal shower water. You have to have special food. Um, You know, they make you do like the therapy people who come and see you. And I felt like I lost all control. I was like, I don't want your autonomy. That was oh, funny. yeah. Like I this one lady, her job, which I know everyone was just doing what they're supposed to do. But her job is, you know, to like help you brush your teeth and stuff if you are too weak. And I'd be like, I don't need that. I don't need you. Like, I don't want you here. I can do this myself. Mm-hmm. And they would be like, well, you have to see this person. And I'd be like, I don't want to. I'm an adult. Like, I don't want to, you know, be boxed up in this cage. But um, the, you know, the funny thing is, and it's kind of bringing it back around to the podcast, every night when I would do my little, or not every night, but when you guys would release an episode, when I do my little wipe bath down, I would always play your podcast. <laughs> Wait, so how long ago was this? That When you first found out the news that you relapsed? Um, what, what month and year? It was, I was 19, so it was um, October of 2018 is when I found out. Yeah, very recently. Um, Like, literally right before we launched the podcast. Oh, yeah. I was, it was right, like, I was in Ohio, like, finding out my diagnosis whenever you guys started. I remember, like, driving to my appointments, listening to the podcast before I even know what it was. that's (laughs) crazy. So, it was so funny. It's also so recent. Oh, yeah. So recent. Oh, no, I just finished my last treatment in January. 
January. So I was still getting treated up until like last month. <laughs> um, but yeah, I would be like, they make you do these little white baths because you can't get in the water. And that always took forever. So I would always like put my phone on the little sink and like listen to your guys' podcast. <laughs> and Wait, why is that? Why can't you get in the shower? I guess like the water can have like your body is so weak. Like they bring uh-huh. it down to like zero. Like you, you can only have four people who are allowed to see you. Like your door can only be open for a certain amount of time. It's You're very strict. Yes, exactly. Um, so I guess there's something in the water mm-hmm. that you can't. So it was like a month of having white bass. I hated it, <laughs> but that almost like would bring, I would be so mad. I would be like, I don't want to be doing this. <laughs> and I would be listening to the podcast cause it would kind of like, you know, bring my spirits up. Um, and then also Colton season was airing at the time. All the nurses want to be in my room because I would be watching The Bachelor <laughs> community. Oh yeah, like the nurses would be fighting over like who got to be in my room because they'd be like, "Oh, the fin- I'm like- working right now and I want to see what the fuck's going on." Exactly. Like I watched the finale in the hospital. It was it was awesome. Oh my god. So it was kind of like a little light in mm. my experience. So when you're going through treatment, can you just give a idea of like the timeline of, are you always in the hospital? I'm super unfamiliar with how that Mm -hmm. works. Like, are you in there for a week, then like out for two weeks or like what? And maybe was that different first time versus second time? What's that like? Yeah. The first time we did, um, I think they called it the European plan where it was, I was in the hospital for a week and then two weeks at home. Okay. Um, because my body wasn't like weak enough to where I needed to stay in the hospital. Sure. Second time around when I get the Brintoxin it was one day every three weeks and then my stem cell transplant was like usually a three to four week process depending on how well you do I got really lucky um my the day I got out was um I think one day later than like the fastest they've had someone get out of the hospital from a stem cell transplant and my lucky number is 13 and it was on day plus 13 because they count out from when you had your stem cells given back to you so like before you have them it's like day you know minus five day minus four and then you get your stem cells and then they start counting up so it was awesome because I was like I want to get out of here I want to get out of here I was you know, so I, after I got through my little like depressive depression episode where I was like, I don't want to be here. Um, I was like, so focused on just like being happy and like being as well as I could so that I could get out, you know, sooner. How long was that process of how long you were kind of in that state of being feeling super resistant? It was for the first, like, I'd say five days because, um, like the first day I was super like, okay, we're doing this. Woohoo. And then like, as they started giving me, started giving me the chemo and I started having all these people all through the day coming through my room being like, Oh, time for this time for that. I just started like spiraling. I remember like the first time I had a breakdown, I was like in the corner of my room, just like crying. And a nurse like came in in the middle of my breakdown and she was so sweet. I always say she looked like Kate, Caitlin Bistro. How do you say her last name? Caitlin? Bristow. Yeah, she looked like Caitlin Bistro. Or have you say her name? Um, but yeah, she was super nice. She like came in and was like, it's okay. Like we, I had planned a cruise for after because I was like, I need something to look forward to. Mm. She's like, you have your cruise that's coming. And 
Um, but it really, I was in like so much pain from being so resistant mm. that I ca- finally came to a point where I was like, this isn't worth it. Like, it's not worth it. Me being this unhappy and I'm making myself this unhappy. I just had to accept what was happening because I would every day I would sit and just randomly cry all throughout the day. Cause I didn't want to be there. I was so upset that like this was happening to me. And that was kind of hard, too, because I was really open about that. And I think a lot of people were like, oh, where's the super happy, you know, 14 year old? Um, Instead, I was kind of always like, this sucks. I hate this. I don't want to be doing this. You know, no one can relate to what I'm going through. I, I whenever you're like at the, you know, beginning of your freedom, kind of as a 20 year old, it's like you just want to be able to do what you want to do you don't want to be like trapped or you know feeling like left behind while everyone else is like pursuing their life or just like helpless even like i can't imagine the physical feeling of just being helpless oh yeah you can't do shit for myself like you're saying oh yeah no you you're so weak like they can't imagine yeah it was you weren't allowed to leave your room and you like there was all these rules you had like you couldn't touch your feet on the floor you had to have like slippers or something on your feet and it was, it just felt so restricting. Mm. And that's why after I got out of the hospital, like I kind of pushed a lot of barriers and did things I wasn't supposed to do because I really was like trying to take a hold of my freedom again. Mm-hmm. Um, like I, like the cruise, like they were like, we do not want you to go on this cruise. Like you could get sick and you'd be out on a boat in the middle of the sea and you could have to be airlifted. And you're I'll, like, then let me go. Yeah. <laughs> you're like, put a lay on me. Exactly. I was like, nope, I'm going. Like I was like this bald little like scrawny thing, you know, out on this ship. And, um, but luckily nothing happened. If I don't make it, give me a Viking funeral. Just send me into the sea. Exactly. Like I got like me and my husband bought bikes and I was like, I want to get my strength back up. Like, I, I did not want to be held back at all. So and, and they kept saying, like, we're so impressed. We're so impressed. Like, you know, you you keep pushing these barriers that a lot of people don't reach yet for you. And that was kind of like what I thrived off of. Like, OK, like I'm going to you know, if I have to do this, I'm going to do it like the best. Mm. Sounds like mentally and emotionally, that was the most difficult part. I mean, versus physically. That's what I'm hearing from you right now. Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Like everything was twice as hard because like leading up to the treatment every day it was like am I gonna do this am I not gonna do this like is my am I gonna have Mm. my fertility like I but I remember on our honeymoon which was like you know I I knew I was gonna get a biopsy when I got back but I was so resistant to the idea of getting cancer again that I was like let's just try to get pregnant why not Mm -hmm. which so glad that that didn't happen because that would have been bad yeah but that's how much I was like I want to be a mom so bad like I'm ready for this ready for you know to be a wife and everything and it all just kind of got put on hold so when the the radiation affects your fertility is that just with your eggs I don't I'm sorry if I don't know any of the science behind this but basically like I'm just curious now if you're able to take out your eggs are you then potentially able to do IVF treatments and then carry your own child yeah okay. so I didn't get radiation luckily oh, okay yeah because you're right you were doing that that type of medicine I was getting stem cell cell, uh, stem cell transplant yeah that's okay Sorry, I didn't realize oh, that one okay. replaced the other. No, yeah. Um, radiation, I think, is a lot more harsh on you. Um, I'm, I'm really glad I didn't have to have radiation because a woman um, at our church, she had breast cancer. She found out like a little ways after I had mm-hmm. been sick. 
and she had to get radiation and a double mastectomy. And I know that was like, so, so I always kind of try to think that too, like, wow, I could, you know, have it way worse. I might've had to have radiation or, you know, I didn't have to have a mastectomy or anything. And so your physical situation may have actually been easier because of that. Or no, I, I mean, easier is super relative term yeah. to use. Well, when we found out I was sick again, I was only stage two. So I was so confused when they were like, we have to, you know, really treat, double down. Double yeah. down yeah. yeah, I didn't, it didn't make sense to me. I was like, what, why? Like I, I was, a, am you know, less, a, less far along than the first time. Um, Sorry, I forgot what the question was. Oh, I was just wondering, did you potentially have it physically easier since you didn't have to do radiation um, or like... Yeah, because I, I know that really like tears up your skin and it's hard on your body and sometimes radiation can cause secondary cancers. So, yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, it can't... I, I'm pretty sure. I mean, maybe other people... I, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> That's what I've heard anyway, so... Um, I mean, I have my husband, he has, um, someone in his family who she's had radiation and then it came back as like skin cancer later, which a doctor might have an explanation or say that's from something else. I don't know. Sure. But, um, yeah, I, I'm really glad I didn't have to get radiation. The stem cell transplant is still really hard on your body. Cause what they do is they give you really hard chemo for like five days. And then the whole rest of the time you're just healing from that mm. chemo it's not like chemo the whole time they just hit you super hard until your counts drop 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 um okay so, so that's once every three weeks correct no that that was only a one-time thing oh only once mm -hmm. yeah okay the brintuximab is what i get okay once every three there weeks. we go yeah. okay, there, there came the confusion so are you in the hospital the whole time then in between those three weeks um so for the three weeks, yeah, you're in isolation. Okay. Um, for the brintuximab, it was just a quick infusion. You just go in okay. and go out, um, and they give it to you through your port, which I have right here. Okay. So then that lasted for an entire year. Yeah, the brintuximab did. Okay. Um, the stem cell transplant was a, like a one and done. So once I was done with that, like I was good. Like I, I had my freedom. I got to, you know, go around and do things. I know I had to wear like a mask in public for a long time because my body was still really susceptible to like germs. And I had to like bring Clorox wipes and like wipe off my seats and tables whenever I went places. Yeah. So um, for the print. Brintexumab? Yeah. Did I say that right? The Brintexumab. Um, did they already decide from the beginning that you'd have to do a full year of it? Yeah. So you knew that you had a year ahead of you. Okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. When he told me I was like super and all even like through the year of getting that, there was a lot of times where I was like, I don't think I can do this anymore. I think I'm done. But I kept pushing through and it was just um, like the pore access really sucks. They take a needle like this big and it goes like right here. <laughs> and if they mess up, like they give you numbing cream. So the first time like it's nerve wracking, but it usually doesn't hurt that bad. If they mess up, they have to like dig the needle around or like double stick you which you're not numb for anymore and that like would make me so depressed like if it went wrong mm -hmm. I would have like some of my worst days like Ugh. oh so and that's the, those were the times where I was like I can't do this anymore like I need to stop um but I just kept like pushing through because I always I had that fear in my the back of my head like I don't want to do this ever again so I just need to stick it out and make sure we like nip this in the butt now so then 
have you been officially cleared? So I was technically cancer free before I okay. even did the like stem cell said, treatment. Yeah. yeah. And I am now. Um, I have to wait three months to get my port out and then I should be like good. Okay, so let's pause for a second, and I want to uh, talk to you about this really fun trait that I have where I cannot fall asleep without noise in the background, <laughs> and I definitely pass that on to my oh daughter, my gosh, Ember. Yeah. For some reason, when it's time for bed, if the room is silent, it's a no-go for sleeping, and if you're a parent, you know that if your kiddo isn't getting enough sleep, you aren't either. Oh, gosh, I know that way too well. Um, Ruth is exactly the same. She needs some noise. I mean, she needs so much noise to soothe her to sleep. <laughs> So much. And I ran out of our house. We couldn't function without our yoga sleep white noise machine. This thing is amazing. I actually got two of them Mm -hmm. and I have two in her room. My house is full. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. I, th- I think I have four total in our in, oh my in, God. yeah. Yoga Sleep has been making products for sleep for over 50 years and invented the dome, the very first white noise machine. Grayston had one that he brought into our house, you know, when we moved in, however long ago that was. And so we've had one in our household ever since. And now we have a bunch. Uh, first ever white noise machine. They know how to make trusted products that work. And the dome uses soothing fan based sounds. And it's the first of its kind. It's actually crazy. We have. Uh, we've been using these other sound machines with Ember for years and we've had to put like two or three in her room because she, when she sleeps, she needs oh, it like to Ruth. be, yeah, <laughs> she needs it to be an actual wind tunnel, um, any sound and she's awake, but it's now that she's getting older, it's so loud. And when I finally tried the dome, it blew my mind. The sound is actually way, it feels like way quieter, That's but true. because of the technology, it fills the room and like dismantles the sound. It's incredible. Well, I want double the protection so <laughs> no, that nothing, no, a bomb no, could fall next to the house and she will not wake up. Trust and believe whenever, whenever was one, I would have still uh-huh. had all of them, but it's just how loud it is. Yeah. And um, with the dome, it's not, it has like that soothing sound but it just traps everything um so no more double sound machine jet engine style noise for my daughter's room um just a soothing full sound and she's honestly been sleeping even better with it this is truly a miracle worker for kids but also for adults maybe you've had a rough week because of work you're having trouble sleeping white noise is a truly natural approach to better sleep and relaxation i love mine so much i even travel with it there's really no harm in trying because all of yoga sleeps products are backed by a 101 night promise i love that it's 101 nights um if you're not satisfied, send them on back. Safe to say everyone can benefit from better quality, more restful sleep. And that's why Yoga Sleep is giving our listeners an exclusive 20% off. They are first of its kind sound machines. Just go to yogasleep.com slash chatty to redeem. So what does it look like going forward? Like, do you have to have more frequent testing since you already relapsed? I don't know if that makes sense. Well, they're doing kind of the same thing that they did the okay. first time. They have you come like once a month and then like, you know, every three months and then like every six months and it just gets more and more spaced, far, yeah, spaced yeah. out the longer you go. What it was like friendship like through this whole thing? Because I'm thinking when you're talking about your 14 year old and you're like, almost excited about it and like this is an adventure and whatever and it was six, six months, months also is sort of short yeah like, yeah in the of things. but at this point i would imagine like what did your friendships look like did you lose a lot of friends and were you in ohio the whole time the whole year 
Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That we. My husband got um, humanitarian orders to come back from Alaska because oh. we were supposed to be there for three years, and um, you can't really get treated in Alaska. Like they usually send you to Seattle. Okay. So we're like, might as well just be home around my family. Um, but yeah, the, that's a, the first time I was sick. It was like I didn't really have anything to complain about. So. It wasn't like I was like looking for someone to, you know, kind of express my sorrows to. I had a really good friend who uh, would come to me, come with me to the hospital a lot with her mom. And it, we would just like play around in the hospital, have fun, like make bracelets. And it never felt like any. Well, I did have one experience the first time where there was this girl who's older than me. And when I got sick, she was like my best friend. And mm-hmm. then it was like when the excitement was over, she was like, never talk to me ever again. And I was hung up on that for a long time because it felt like she just wanted to be my friend because I was going through all the drama of everything, mm-hmm. which like you said, you can kind of relate to because, you know, with me going through it, I was like, whoa, you know, like this is so exciting. Yeah. So I can see how somebody else would kind of like want to get on that in on that too a little bit. Um, but for when I was older, um, it was a lot more isolating and that was a, that was a lot more, that was a lot harder for me. Um, and I think it's because a lot of people your age have no clue what you're going through. Sure. Um, a good friend of mine. Or really anyone at any age, unless they've gone unless through it themselves. Yeah, exactly. So I was say, I'm like, I'm like, uh, you know, solid, like 11 years older than you. And I wouldn't know anything of this because oh, I've yeah. never been through it. Oh, the first person like outside of my family that I told, she's still a very good friend of mine, but like. I kind of broke down to her and was like, I haven't told anybody yet except for my family, but I have cancer again. And she like did not know what to say. And mm-hmm. within like 10 minutes, we we're like kind of like back to talking about her everyday life stuff. And that like really hurt. Cause I was, I did, I was like, you don't understand. I don't think how big this is. Um, or you don't know how to cope with it either. If you do understand how, big Oh it yeah. Is. Well, she flat out told me, she's like, I don't really understand like what that means. Like, you know, what does cancer entail Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. what are you going through Mm -hmm. you know um and even what I explained I think it's hard for people to put themselves in your shoes especially at set but I always say like imagine you know being at the beginning of your 20s when you're just getting your freedom you're going to college you're looking forward to like the rest of your life and a lot of possibilities are taken away from you like motherhood for an example and then um you know you you can't really go to school mm-hmm. or you know travel and when i would see my friends um a lot of them really didn't know what to say i had one group of friends where one time i kind of said i was you know talking talking to them about my experience and how hard it had been for me and they like were saying nothing and i kind of said I really need you to, you know, respond to me (laughs) because it makes me feel really bad whenever I feel like I can't talk to anyone about this. Like I'm being a burden by expressing what's going on. Yeah. And even like with my parents, I think they kind of put the pressure more on my husband to take Mm. care of me and they didn't come to as many of my treatments and that kind of hurt a little bit. Um, and it just, yeah, all around, it just felt like more isolating and it was way harder than the first time. You're an adult too. So it's like, it's different where it's like, like you said, the first time people are bringing you gifts and it's like, she's a child and it's like, 
course, 14 to 20 is a big difference, but it's also sometimes not at the same time. And you're like, I still need support and like, or any age, you're like, I still want people to be there and be present. Exactly. Oh yeah. I I felt like I needed it more than ever then. And that, and I felt like I was lacking in it the most. Mm. It really felt like, and that I started seeing a therapist this year and, or last year, I guess. And that's been super helpful Mm. for me because I just like looked up a random therapist online and he just happened to be someone who'd been through cancer too. Oh wow. So it it has worked out great. It's been so awesome because whenever I'm starting to feel even now very isolated or like no one understands, I set up an appointment and he is totally understanding and kind. So I think maybe some people feel uncomfortable with the idea of being like close to death too, which is a really morbid way of putting it, but it's like uncomfortable. It's like, Oh, you're 20 and you could be, you could be dying. And like, that's, I don't want to think about that or deal with that. So it's easier for me to just pretend like that's not going on. Oh, exactly. And that's the thing too. I was never afraid of dying. Like I had told people, cause I had some people who had kind of backlash towards me when I said I was considering more, you know, natural options. Um, and people who'd already had kids who were like, you know, you're so young, you don't need to worry about this. And, um, you're saying some judgment too, about you feeling comfortable with death, I think is what you're saying. Oh yeah. And I, oh yeah. And I had said, um, I would rather die than not get to be a mom like I told people that like Mm. if I have that taken away from me I'd rather just like die from the cancer because that's like how important being a mom is to me so yeah if you were to be able to like tell people like write down almost something for your friends and be like this would be ideally how I would have been Treated. I'm just thinking about like all of our listeners who, you know, maybe have someone in their life who is going through something like this. Like, what would you tell somebody? What would have been your ideal situation? Is it people just asking you like how you are and not being afraid to just sit and have those conversations? Or what would that look like for you? Yeah. Well, it's hard because I know everybody's different Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. I've met people who don't want to talk about their experience, who kind of want to forget about it and not have it constantly brought up. But for me, it's just nice to be acknowledged, kind of like, that's hard. I, you know, I can't even imagine what you're going through. Whereas a lot of people were just kind of like silence, like crickets. Mm. It's so interesting that you say that because it's something my family experienced a lot when we had a sudden violent loss in the family. And there's, it's so bizarre, even friends you've had sometimes for years and years where it's the radio silence. And I don't know if they're waiting i don't know if they don't want to make you uncomfortable or upset but it's far worse than someone saying something wrong and, oh yeah and i've on a very different situation I, i'm i don't want to be like oh i'm bringing this back to me but it's something i've heard over and over again that silence is so much worse than saying the wrong thing or reminding someone of something that they don't want to be reminded of because oh, silence yeah. is it's just like it could mean anything you don't care it feels you like apathy Yes. And from people that love you, I mean, the very least you can do is like, I'm here for you. Just reach out and 
like you said, acknowledge. Oh yeah. I know. And some people, like, I think some people, maybe it's even more, they feel more comfortable like saying that over text or whatever. Cause in person, I think maybe it's like too much. Mm-hmm. And I did have a few people who would like text me and say like, you know, I'm thinking about you. I'm really sorry this is happening to you. But when I would meet them, like we wouldn't talk about it at all. And that's the thing is like, you don't want to be the person who's always like, so let's talk about my problem. Sure. <laughs> you know? Sure. But like, you're hoping like someone's going to bring it up and be like, so how are you doing? So you can be honest with like what you're having to, Oh my God, process in your own head, especially I'm just literally, when you say the word isolation, my body like l- cramps, like the idea of not being like being stuck in that situation. Like you were, it's like, all I would want was a friend to call me and be like, explain like tell me everything that's going on right now oh yeah where are you sitting what are they doing because i'd be like i want to tell you how i'm how many times i had to get pricked today i want to tell <laughs> you how sick i feel like i just need to put it out there like yeah. oh yeah and even like as things have progressed and like the more exciting part of my treatment is over like i find even like when i like post stuff on social media mm-hmm. like I don't get as many, you know, comments or people. Interesting. And, and I am kind of like, okay, I get it. Like people go back to their normal lives. They can't spend every waking moment, you know, putting out all this empathy for you, but it still kind of feels like, okay, well now, you know, I'm dealing with all the side effects from mm-hmm. what I went through. And now there's like even less people who, you know, want to know about how you are than when you were going through it. Because it doesn't just end whenever your treatment is done. You know, you're still dealing with who you used to be in the loss of, you know, the, the who I was before I found out I was sick again. You have to almost like become a whole new person all over again. You have to learn how to live your life and you experience a grieving process of like the time you lost too, I'm sure. Oh, that has been a huge thing for me because, you know, the 20, your, your early 20s are supposed to be some of the best years of your life. And I'm like, wow, I've spent you know, my first year as a 20 year old, just being miserable. Mm -hmm. So that's such a powerful point, Mariah, because all I'm thinking about is, and obviously this is extremely different, but like so many people who listen to this are mothers and the part of motherhood that so often gets ignored is like, um, postpartum when you know maybe once the baby's like a month old it's like the excitement of she's pregnant she's pregnant the baby comes out everyone's super excited calls for the first like two weeks and then all of a sudden no one asks you so much about this it's so funny you say that right now because this has been on my mind for like the past 24 hours and really yeah and i think that there's misconception continue i'm sorry no no i'm just saying it's like the idea of then yeah people are pounding down your door being like this is exciting i want to connect and i want to make sure you're okay and i want to see the baby and all these things then all of a sudden your baby's three weeks old and you don't hear from anyone anymore and when you're talking about what you went through Uh and i'm thinking about i'm even thinking about friends in my life who have gone through sicknesses Mm -hmm. and honestly or or deaths or yeah grief or sickness or and how i'm guilty of literally being like in the moment being so present and available Mm -hmm. and then all of a sudden a couple like months go by or the 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 quote-unquote trauma of it goes by and i'm not consistently touching base and being like how are you now though because the reality hits much later on and yes you're dealing with the after effects physically but i also imagine like you're saying so much emotionally too of like what i lost and the time i lost Mm -hmm. and what life looks like now and it's like it's so and like i said i'm so guilty of it too just so often being like oh the hard part's over so they're fine it's like Mm -hmm. no sometimes it's harder after oh yeah and i'm sure as a mother too like when you go from one kid 
than to two kids. Like your whole life is changing. You're suddenly have to, you know, redefine who you are, Mm -hmm. how you do things. So I'm with mothers. I'm sure that's so true. I think everybody's guilty. I, I mean, even I going through this, you know, with people around me who've been going through things, I think, oh my gosh, like I haven't checked in on them, you know, like it's, it's so easy to forget. And I'm not in our own little world. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm never like mad at anyone for not reaching out to me or anything. Cause I, like you said, I I think we're all guilty of it. Mm -hmm. We're all guilty of, you know, kind of forgetting to check in with people, but it is so, it makes you feel so seen when someone Mm -hmm. does go out of their way to just say, how are you? Or I'm, I'm thinking about you even, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. it makes you feel seen and not as alone. Mm. yeah oh my god what was that experience like with your husband and was he the one that was mainly there for you you said your parents you know were maybe a little less present the first time yeah and how did that affect um your first year of marriage (laughs) oh my god yeah seriously man let's get into this Well, um, with my parents, it was really hard. And I mean, I've kind of talked to them a little bit about this, but, um, you know, the second time around my, my dad, he's an ER nurse and he works third shift. Really? Yes. Okay. So he, he was never really able to see me that often. He would try to, when he had the time, but his days off, he's usually just sleeping. Um, but yeah, the first time around my, my mom was there a lot. And if she wasn't, she was always like trying to find someone to be there with me. Um, second time around my grandma on my dad's side, my Nana was really there for me. She was awesome. She kind of was like the one who stood behind me whenever I wanted to get my hair dyed pink. Cause I knew it was going to fall out. She was like, let's go do this. Like, you know, mm. it's going to fall out anyway. Um, and she tried to be, she's from North Carolina, so she had to make kind of a long drive, but she was there with me for like, you know, my first few days in the hospital. And then she came back again at the end of the treatment whenever I was in isolation and she was like my rock. She was so awesome. She would like bring me stuff to like cheer me up. Um, what's her name? Uh, Karen. Karen. Did you have this kind of relationship with her before? She's always been like a second mom to me mm. like she just whoever I want to be she like encourages it she's amazing woman amazing woman like I want to be just like her mm. <laughs> um but yeah she's been like the biggest rock for me it's and I love her so much and she yeah she was there for me a lot during the treatment with my husband um it was kind of hard because uh he I think he'd never been through anything like that before Um, And then for the first few months, he was in Alaska. So he wasn't there when I got diagnosed or when I had my biopsy done um, or even for like my first few treatments of brintuximab. So when he finally did come, he got to Ohio right before I started my isolation. And while I was in the hospital, he was amazing. Like he would, you know, get, I I was always like laying in bed, like, can you get me this? Can you get me that? (laughs) I would make him like drive like 30 minutes to get, go get me like these special cupcakes and everything. (laughs) And so he was, he was pretty awesome in the hospital. Um, But afterwards it was kind of like, I think he had a hard time understanding I was still going through things. And when I would try to express that to him, I just think it's very hard for once again, someone who hasn't gone through it to, I mean, he saw me in the hospital, but yet I think I was trying so hard to just, you know, break all these barriers and get back to where I was that maybe it looked like I was doing great. 
But, um, and then when I would express to him, like, no, I'm not like, you know, I'm really not fine. I think it's easy for him to forget because of, you know, me trying to put on a brave face. And so that has been super challenging mm. on our marriage in, me- in many ways. Um, yeah. I, I can't, I can't even kind of being in a, uh, a marriage myself, like, there's something that's so romanticized and I don't mean to shit on this for people who have had situations where their, you know, Mm. spouse has been so there for them, but there's something so romanticized about like, once you get married, you have this eternal partner who's going to be there with you through thick and thin. And like, you'll always tuck or not tuck ever walk to remember kind of picture. Yeah. Following our stars. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And the thing is like, yeah, sure. Sometimes the person is there, But normally when they are, it's for a piece because they have their own process that they're going through. And I wonder how often people maybe don't reach out to you as much because they're like, oh, she's fine. She's married. She has somebody or even like your family. And it's like there's so much put on the concept of if you're married, the romance must be blossoming through Mm. this trauma together. So Mm. it's all going to be fine. And it's like, just because there's trauma doesn't mean that this is excelling. In fact, if anything, sometimes (laughs) it makes it, 10 times harder. Well, also you talking about your story versus some of these movies where guess what? Like one of the characters dies (laughs) and then that's it. What about the cancer stories when, like you said, dealing with the grieving process of the time you've lost and the experience you've had to go through after what does normal life look like once you're beyond this dramatic hospital narrative, you Mm -hmm. know, like what about, what about after that? Yeah, no, I remember even as a 14 year old, like being kind of mad at John Green because the fault in our stars was like just kind of, you know, the movie was being made. And I was like, okay, um, I don't have a boyfriend who's like, oh, look at you. You know, you're, I I got really chubby from chemo, which that was another thing. Whenever I found I was sick, I was like, I'm going to get so skinny. (laughs) It was the opposite. Uh, They put me on steroids. It made me gain a lot of weight. And, um, I was like, okay, yeah, this is not real life. Um, and it kind of left me feeling a little bit bitter at stories like that. Cause I'm like, that's not real. I, I mean, and I'm a writer too. So I've even been like, oh, I want to like write a story about cancer mm-hmm. in a relationship that's realistic because totally the way it's portrayed in the media and in Hollywood is not realize i feel like that's such a great idea and that's so important because there are like there are so much there are so many um uh illnesses and trauma that is so romanticized because of literature and because of media and it's just like no this shit is real life like just because you get cancer doesn't mean that you're a 14 year old and you're gonna like meet up with some hot dude in the hospital and like (laughs) it's gonna be all good and like you'll get better and if you don't like it'll like end somehow romantically like that's that's just doesn't i mean what that's the point zero 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 one percent the reality is or even when it does happen like what's the reality of like real life that's that's a great point it's like for for instance (laughs) did i fall did i fall desperately in love with my husband and did we have a romantic like year together or whatever even like was our wedding romantic and magical yeah for sure but like let's cut to a month after it's real life (laughs) and sometimes you don't like each other you're arguing on the fucking honeymoon yeah like oh a hundred percent oh that was my honeymoon (laughs) yeah (laughs) (laughs) Were you there? (laughs) (laughs) So 
you know we can't go too many episodes without talking about this company. We can't. It's, it's truly... We're long overdue. I mean, we, we truly are. And you know exactly what company we're talking about. It's, it's FabFitFun. Ooh, that one actually felt real good. I know. I felt strong about that one. <laughs> um, so let's talk about Fab. You know, mm. we got FabFitFun. Let's talk mm. about Fab. What is Fab in your life that you can't live without, B? What's that fab thing? Oh, well, for me, the fab I can't live without is like a really good lip gloss. Nothing makes me feel sexier. Gives me a pick me up on a weird day off than having some freaking gloss, some (laughs) freaking freaking glossy lipstick Mm -hmm. just to make them look plump and full and kissable. Oh, my goodness. I feel the exact same way, except I'm like that with some with a red lip. Oh, a red lip puts me on top of the world. Mm. I feel like I can conquer anything. She's sexy. She owns the world. It's great. Well, you know that I am a firm believer in treating yourself. And one of my favorite gifts to me from me is my <laughs> FabFitFun subscription box, the most premium subscription box on the market. The FabFitFun team are, in my opinion, experts in curating the best products for a little bit of self-love. And let's be honest, you deserve it. With every box, you'll receive eight to 10 full-sized items that range from beauty to home decor to apparel to jewelry, and you'll get a new box every season and more than likely discover a new favorite product. The boxes are fully customizable, or if you want to be surprised, because who doesn't love surprises? No problem. The team will curate a selection of products just for you. I get so excited when I see my FabFitFun box on the porch. It's like Christmas every time. And in my last box, I got so many good things. But my personal favorite from the last box is this Winky Lux lip balm. Speaking of lips, mm-hmm. that has this pinky red color to it. It looks like a sexy bullet and it's a rainbow inside. I don't even know how to describe it. I'm in love with it. And I use it on my lips now and my cheeks. And I don't even know how I ever lived without this. So thank you, FabFitFun for introducing me to my new obsession. Um, Also, the customizable options for this particular box are insane. I think the most varied and fun I've seen so far. The amount of savings you get with FabFitFun that's the part that's truly unbelievable. Each box has a value of over $200, but it retails for just $49.99. But of course it gets better. You can use our discount code chatty at fabfitfun.com for $10 off your first box. That means $200 worth of products for $39.99. Again, go to fabfitfun.com and use promo code chatty to unlock your $10 off. So if you've been a listener for a while or just follow us on social media, you know Becca and I love, Mm. love, 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 love Daily Harvest. They've completely reinvented the idea that fast food and healthy food are not mutually exclusive with their thoughtfully sourced chef-crafted foods that can be prepared in five minutes or less. Seriously, you guys, this has been the biggest lifesaver for me. I'm three weeks away from the end of quarter for school and on days when I have class, that means trying to eat on the road a lot of the time. And with Daily Harvest, I have 65 options to choose from, like smoothies, my favorite, um, cacao mint, wow, life-changing, no. um, hearty soups, bowls, and overnight oats that I can easily take with me on the go. And also sometimes Gray and I will expand upon one when we're staying in and we'll make a great meal crafted around oh, one of yeah. these uh you guys are great and creative that way. I say if you're going to go on the road, why not take all 65 options with you? You know what I mean? Pack them full. <laughs> um, I mean, they are that good. I'd consider it. Daily Harvest works directly with farms to harvest organic fruits and vegetables, and everything is frozen within 24 hours, so it stays 100% fresh until you're ready to enjoy it. My current favorite is 
literally all the different bites. Oh my God, stop. I know we've talked about it before, but these things stop. are so good. And they <laughs> taste just like cookie dough and I cannot get enough of them. And they're packed with healthy ingredients. No, yeah, like I went through them and they, it's all healthy ingredients it's, like dates I and don't cacao understand how and they chia taste. seeds. No, they're so good. How do they taste that good? Like I'm not being trying to not be dramatic right now, but like how in the world do they taste that good? I don't understand. Um, also, Ember is a daily harvest smoothie monster, and it has become one of the easiest ways I'm able to get her to eat greens. Mm-hmm. Bless. Oh, my God. If you want delicious quick meals without sacrificing any of the nutrition at all, Daily Harvest is it for you. Go to dailyharvest.com and enter promo code chatty and check at checkout to get $25 off your first box. That's promo code chatty for $25 off your first box at dailyharvest.com. Uh, I'm thinking again, and I'm I, I'm sorry I re, uh, keep relating it back to like postpartum, but it just is like oh, reminding no. me of it somewhat where the idea of, too, like people don't talk about it. They don't talk about postpartum. Well, people don't talk about uncom. I think it's a bigger point. You know, people don't talk about these uncomfortable difficult situations or like so there's no one to prepare i would imagine and again maybe i'm completely out of it because i i personally don't have cancer i don't have a close uh, like relation right now who does but is there anything like is there any you know like social media presence or youtuber or something Something that you feel like could prepare you yeah where it's like hey this is what happens because that's that was why i was i was thanking you earlier in the episode when you posted that with your hair it was literally like oh i haven't seen this before yeah i don't know what this looks like is there yeah is there something like the reality of it that's not this romanticized version but just like here this is what happens and like some days like you know you wake up and you have a little bit of hope and then the next day just fucking sucks and this is what it looks like well that that you know it's funny you say that because i remember when i found out i was going to get a stem cell transplant like youtubing like stem cell transplant and there was like nothing like there was like short little clips of like this guy being like oh yeah i had a stem cell transplant nothing that shows you like the in-depth like Hmm. raw and real like if i could have hired like a camera crew or something to be like watching me as like i threw up and was having my white baths and losing my hair and um, can you imagine what that would be like to for you to be able to watch someone going through that as you're going through it oh yeah i don't know if it would like scare me or prepare me (laughs) yeah or at least make you feel less alone if anything yeah because i actually i did like try to film a lot of it and i put out like a mini little documentary thing that was like 30 minutes long but like i videotaped um my hair like we were trying to not shave it until we had a photographer coming who's gonna like shoot me getting my head shaved and my all my hair was falling out and matting up and it was like matting all over my head and I had like bald spots all around and in the middle of the night it was like so itchy and I was like you know I'm done with this and like I went to the bathroom and had this little pair of like kid scissors and was just like cutting off all the uncomfortable chunks of itchy hair and it's like never in my life did I think that was a situation I would be in Mm -hmm. to you know be doing something like that um but yeah, I really don't feel like there's a lot out there. Mm. Like I can't even recommend anything because I I never had anything recommended to me. I mm. couldn't find anything online. If there is anything out there that any of the broads know about, do you follow any like Instagram like 
I don't want to say cancer influencer, but I don't know. How, have you found any social media presences like that? No, I don't. I don't oh. think there's anyone. Like, I mean, maybe I could have done more extensive research. Sure, 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 sure. But, um, but personally, I don't know of anybody, and that's why I've always tried to be so honest. Mm. Like, I've always made like little videos yeah. about where I'm at, and like if I could, you know, make a a book or a series or anything on what it's like, I would love to do that for people who are, you know, for anyone really who's going through that, but especially people my age, because it just felt so isolating. I was like, it felt like nobody Mm. knew where I was at, you know, Mm -hmm. like no one, my age, not my parents, not my husband. Like it was just so hard for, I remember whenever I was going through like my regretting, like being in the hospital period, my grandma was trying to, my Nana, she was trying to like hype me up and she was like, this chemo, imagine it like Pac-Man, like eating all those bad cells. And I was like, no, it's hurting me. It's hurting my body. Like I was so mm. like angry at everything. And I wish that I had just had something, <laughs> something there that had prepared me for, for, you know, what I was going to be going through, but not, you know, nothing really did. Where do you feel like you're at now? I'm in a really weird place because it's like you're in that transition from like, I'm, you know, kind of I'm done with my last treatment um, and I've kind of been dealing with some of the side effects. Um, and that's been super frustrating because it's once again a reminder of what I went through. The brintaximab gives you really bad neuropathy. So if I don't take my medicine all the time, like I'll have really bad aches in my arms and Mm. legs or like Mm. numbness in my fingers. And um, I get like heat flashes all the time, heart palpitations. If I don't take Miralax every day, I cannot like I will get so backed up. Um, it feels like I have the body of like an 80 year old woman and it makes me so mad. It's so frustrating. Like I think as time goes on, maybe some of those side effects will get better, but now I'm just trying to cope with once again, my new body almost, it literally feels like I'm a new person. My body functions differently. Um, one thing I am really grateful for though, is that I've had a really steady period since I got off of, and like, this is TMI, but, um, like, uh, the, the the mucus. cervical fluid yeah. yeah and I've just been like yes oh that's awesome like so excited like when I get my period because I'm like hopefully this is things good. are going the way they're supposed to be going yes. which by the way not to like be that person but to hear you be like yes my period in the moments where I'm just like fuck my cramps hurt <laughs> it's like sorry things are going the way that they're supposed yeah. to be going that's oh, a blessing yeah. it's a and blessing. honestly so many of like your guys's episodes with people you've talked to have really enlightened me with you know like uh, the period lady that is totally not what she's called <laughs> yeah <laughs> the fam lady yeah. Yeah. yeah she was awesome mm-hmm. I was like oh my gosh I love this I love like I was so excited to be more enlightened on you know like my period and all of those things just because I do want to be a mom and then like the postpartum stuff I always tell people that I'm the most educated (laughs) non-mother out there you know how like people say like oh I didn't know this I'm like yep I knew that was gonna happen (laughs) here's your Harry bottle good luck exactly I mean I just feel like and I don't want to you know create your future for you or shove this on you but you are extremely like again when I was watching on on social media you are extremely gifted with speaking you're also extremely gifted with being vulnerable which I mean is a it is a gift thank you and when you would post and you would have those moments where you'd be looking in the mirror and you'd film yourself and you'd be like 
I'm having a horrible day. And it was like, it would make me stop in my tracks mm. like midday. And it was just like, I feel like it's so important um, for people to be aware of what you're going through. Not only if it were to happen to them for loved ones, whatever that may be. And I hope that in some way, I know that this episode is going to be something that will be, I feel like super beneficial for people to hear, but also just like on YouTube or social media or something like, I don't know. I see yeah, so much. Any, oh man. You have any dreams or plans yes. for the near future? I, I mean like what you guys do like is like a dream for me. And I'm also someone like you who's like, I'd love to be on reality TV one day mm-hmm. or something <laughs> like that. Like I'm just so like social yeah. and like you said, I like to be very open and I've always like ever since I've been a little girl, like I would sneak and read like my mom's people magazines. Mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. I love all of that type of stuff. So I want to like get a book published. I, I, I like, I, I know influencer, like, I don't want to be like an influencer, but I would love to have like a social media presence and stuff like that. I also wonder if like, I'm just already starting to think about like the, the opportunities to highlight different experiences and even just like a YouTube series to talk through processes, even if you're not still going through them, but like, I can just imagine if I was going through cancer for the first time and if I was able to watch something of you going step by step through each week and month, what your process looked like, even if it looked different from mine to Mm -hmm. be like, oh, that's when she was going through this. And oh my gosh, I remember that she felt this way, like at this point. And like, I can really relate to that. And like, just, I think having people to relate to, like the internet is so powerful and I know we shit on it all the time, but it's such a tool. And when, and like when I'm on the internet and when there's people that I feel like I can relate to and who have experienced something that I have or that I may go through, it touches me. And, and like, I think that that's such a cool opportunity that you have is to touch people like I'm sure you have today with this episode and to continue doing that in whatever way you move forward with. It's cool. Well, thank you so much. <laughs> yeah. And so you said that you made like a little 30 minute series. Is yeah. that out there somewhere? Yeah. It's okay. actually, it's in my Instagram bio. The link is, and it's called like isolated my, uh, BMT journey, which is bone marrow transplant. Okay. Um, so it's not like the best thing ever, but you know, I made it with like iMovie on my phone, but any like crazy moment, like if I was about to throw up, I'd be like to my husband, I'd be like, film this, film this, like <laughs> this is content. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'd be like, Oh, something's happening. Get in here with the cameras, please. Like, Why don't you share your social media right now? Yeah. So that- Please. Um, my Instagram is Mariah B. McIntyre. Oh, okay. and I forgot to mention I'm a I'm an aspiring photographer too. So so beautiful. Thank you. The, your work is fantastic. Um, okay, and we're gonna put that in the episode notes. And if it's okay with you, I'll also link the video in the episode yeah, notes. Yeah, okay. that's fine. Okay. Yeah, and uh, um, like you said, I know for a long time I was very resistant to being known as like the cancer girl like I didn't want that to be you know like in italics under my name like you know Mariah who had cancer twice but like as I kind of like that hashtag cancer girl (laughs) cancer girl right (laughs) um but as I've like gotten older I feel like this has given me a lot of opportunities I wouldn't have had otherwise Mm -hmm. because I'm like you know who would have wanted to talk to me if Mm -hmm. I hadn't have you know gone gone through this so I've tried to embrace it more and more and I would love to 
help people who are going through similar things. So, and I will say this, uh, I would have wanted to talk to you regardless. Um, <laughs> <Thank> also, you. <laughs> also, I think it's one of those things where you, uh, again, like when I first started following you on Instagram, it was like, you just have something about you. So maybe that is going to transition eventually into motivational speaking or whatever, but whatever it is that you decide to do, please let us know. And I sure hope that you start a podcast or a YouTube channel. And if you do, we'll be, uh, we'll be shouting it from the rooftops. What's the best way for people to reach you if they want to like chat with you, like email, Instagram, what's the best way? Um, yeah, my Instagram is pretty good. Um, my email, I need to make a new email cause I made it it's when filled I filled with spam. And- um, it has like styles because I was really convinced I was going to marry Harry Styles one day. So in it, <gasps> yes, I still kind of am in love with him. So <laughs> I mean, my sister was just texting me about that the other day. She's like, I'm still in love with Harry Styles. Because by the he way. is an icon and he has like continued to remain gorgeous and iconic oh. and sensitive and beautiful and all the things. I had a journal. I would write to Harry and write about like how sad I was that the universe <laughs> didn't put us together. Like my friend was like worried about me. She'd be like, this isn't healthy. Like, I've since grown out of that, but I still really can appreciate him as a beautiful man. Oh, I so know. My, my sister was literally sending me articles and links the other day about Harry Styles. And I was like, I don't care, <laughs> but continue. The rest of us do, Becca. Yes. So. His fashion taste, oh. his music. Like, oh my gosh. I love like the androgyny. So androgynous. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> face she's not here for it <laughs> you're really uncomfortable no, no i was just never really into it and i don't really get it but then That's also okay. she was sending me articles and i was like oh he seems really cool if you do your research <laughs> yeah maybe maybe <laughs> then you'll know more about harry before you speak on harry yeah, okay. before exactly. you shit on harry <laughs> know who you're talking about um anyways mariah thank you so much yes. it was so nice to meet you also um we will be posting mariah brought us the best gift Dude, ever she made us these bingo cards with all chatty broads things i can't i can't explain it but it's so good it's and so good i think we'll drop it today on our stories probably when this yes. airs and i believe that it might be a fun drinking game to play along when you're listening to our episodes if you are you know in a safe environment no drink don't play this <laughs> drinking game when you're driving when you're commuting to, to work <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> your early morning commute or in the subway i mean whatever i guess you're not driving then but point is we'll put it up thank you so much oh, thank you guys yeah. so much for having me i appreciate it this is a dream awesome. come true well broads we we will um, be putting Mariah's info in the episode notes and uh, getting back into a pilot PD here Tuesday. Always. Man. Always. <laughs> Chat soon. Chat soon. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. With LinkedIn Jobs, we tap into a network of more than a billion professionals to help you find quality professionals quickly and easily for any role you need. 
Marketing wizards? Found them. Software engineers? Found. That project manager I could never seem to hire? And found. LinkedIn Jobs quickly matches your roles with candidates with the right skills and experience. In fact, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Post your first job for free and get started at linkedin.com slash spoken. That's linkedin.com slash spoken. Terms and conditions apply. With LinkedIn Jobs, we tap into a network of more than a billion professionals to help you find quality professionals quickly and easily for any role you need. Marketing wizards? Found them. Software engineers? Found. That project manager I could never seem to hire? And found. LinkedIn Jobs quickly matches your roles with candidates with the right skills and experience. In fact, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Post your first job for free and get started at linkedin.com slash spoken. That's linkedin.com slash spoken. Terms and conditions apply.